0: Know it would work i shared that tune decades ago with another dear friend one who dreamt
1: of crows and aspired to thwart moriarty with the intellect of holmes
0: somebody couldn't whistle worth a damn
2: transfer complete
0: Welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast for two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between that Star Trek has to offer. I'm Cam Smith, and joining me on the bridge of the bounty.
1: Yet again, going into battle with my lovers, as I've done many times before. <laughs> Cam, I can't tell you how therapeutic
0: it is. And we're here this week to talk about the latest episode of Picard, episode six of the final season. I kind of hinted at the title earlier, The Bounty. And of course, later in the show, we'll be joined by a guest. Vicky Sue will join us with her thoughts on the episode, as well as we'll tackle the latest episode of the very substantial new installment of The Mandalorian. (laughs) But (laughs) before we get to that, Tyler, this is the episode that critics were given up until with Picard Season 3. They were given the first six episodes. They left on a high. They talked about how this was Star Trek finding itself again. Did you feel that way at the end of this episode?
1: Um, so I think this episode's fine. It's perfectly good. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's not great. I think we've had one, like, great episode so far this season, no-win scenario, mm-hmm. Episode 4. Um, I just think, like... <sighs> This is how easy it could have been to make, like, a good Star Trek Picard show. As long as you're doing a lot of low-hanging fruit, like, let's showcase all of the most, like, fantastic <laughs> ships that we've ever encountered, people will, like, fly out of their seats and cheer. Um, It's, like, fan service. It Guess what, Kim? It excited me. I thought it was awesome. Did it make for some amazing hour of television? No. It, it seemed like a very standard sort of uh, table setting episode right you know and uh we we had some moments got to see jordy again and we got to see um data something as jordy (laughs) was calling him you know some some cool moments here i I, like i'm not blown (laughs) away and yet again (laughs) troy is in distress um troy needs to be saved and that's got me rolling my eyeballs a little bit. You know, I, Cam, this episode's perfectly fine. Yeah, I think that if they were doing fun stuff like this, I think, you know, Dorn is absolutely, like, stealing the show, like, every moment he's in. You know, like, I was laughing, literally laughing. Oh, yeah. Where, like, Riker's, like, cloaking device, where'd they get that from? <laughs> and, then, like, we had, like, Worf say, my guess, superior Klingon technology.
0: <laughs> He had a couple good bits because there was also when they were going on the transporter to head down to the vault and there's the moment of, is, you know, are Seven and Raffi going to go together? And he's like, oh, yes, I fought in battle with lovers. And then she's like, no, no, we're just going to, I'm just going to go on my own. And Warf's like, thank God, <laughs> basically. <Yeah. laughs> it always ends in bloodshed.
1: <laughs> you know. I think what they're doing is they're making a case for uh, a Captain Worf series, you know, and there's the news this week, and and we can get into some other Star Trek news that's been shared, but um, a lot of talk about uh, Terry Metalis, the showrunner of season three, kind of pitch in, Uh, not officially, but like floating the idea out there about like, what if we did a Star Trek legacy series, you know, bringing back a lot of these kind of familiar characters in, you know, kind of a cool setting, you know, and I I just think this is kind of shooting fish in a barrel at this point. and I feel like whatever critiques I have of this episode, they're storytelling related. And it's going to make me seem as if I'm way more down on this episode than I really am. I just think this is a perfectly fine episode. It was good, you know.
0: Yeah, like I thought With when it came to character-driven stuff in this episode, it actually really clicked for me. Um, the uh, re-entrance of Jordy onto the show. Jordy's not like one of my favorite characters Among the TNG cast, because we did a whole episode about like how he's very ill-defined on TNG. He tends to (laughs) kind of like his personality kind of changes. It's very unclear. Whereas I felt like they had a really good angle on him in this particular episode. And I said to myself, like, I understand who this Geordi is. Like, I get it it feels earned. It's not like the, you know, we've been back and forth, um, you know, with guests even about like Riker. Is this the Riker we kind of know? Does this make sense? Does Jean-Luc, does this make sense? To me, Jordy made sense that he's kind of evolved into a very kind of like rigid dad figure. I buy that 100%. Um, to me, it was more like, there's a lot of fan service in this episode. A lot, maybe more than any episode of Star Trek in existence. <laughs> and yeah. there were moments, as you referenced, like with the ships. I'm like, this is pretty fantastic. I love seeing these ships together. It makes sense. You know, they've set up this museum of famous starships. It's very convenient, but, you know, the musical cues are maybe a little over the top, but nonetheless, it's very wondrous to see all these ships. But then it was like, boy, there's more of it. We've got two archives of Easter eggs in this episode <laughs> and they just kept just kept finding ways to introduce other Easter eggs. And I'm like, is this too much? Like at a certain point, it begins to feel kind of strange to me where I go like, you don't need all of this. Like use, use your like established elements of canon with to actually inform your storytelling, not just have like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. Uh, okay. And to me, I think we have to talk about it, but the return of Data or whatever it is. Was Data just, something. Yeah, Data <laughs> something was just like, oh my God. Why did they ask me to invest anything in the death of Data at the end of Picard season one? I know. They're doing the old Disney death thing. Uh, I can't stand stuff like this.
1: I had hope with the trailer and like, okay, they're bringing back Brent Spiner via lore. Yeah. I get that. You know, that made sense to me. Maybe there's a lore redemption arc in the works or something like that. Sure. But this is, as you said, Cam, it's the Disney death, you know, like, and it just really cheapens like what we got at the, one of, one of the greatest moments of season one was, was Data's goodbye scene. Uh, certainly the best moment in that terrible finale. And I'm just, I, what do I do when I go back and I rewatch season one, which I don't think I'll do doing <laughs> in a while, but it's just kind of like, I'll, I'll just go like, oh yeah, well there's Data. Well, guess what? Uh, he comes back to life in um, one and a half seasons. So it's just like uh, it's kind of like who cares? Like, they they kind of did the perfect goodbye already after pretty after they had to re- <laughs> repeatedly say like didn't he die twice? Yeah. And well, yeah, we saw the nemesis thing was pretty crappy. So let's try to redeem that. And and I thought they actually succeeded at redeeming that in season one. Uh, now we're back with data again. You know, it's like nobody can ever leave their mortal coil at, at this point. It, it, it's um <laughs> you can't even leave Picard's corpse behind at the Tastrum <laughs> Institute. No for that matter, cam, uh, James T. Kirk's uh, corpse uh, was retrieved. Uh-huh. And uh huh, that that's um, I really hope that's just supposed to be an Easter egg like they they don't really actually want to do anything with that <laughs> yeah. little like easter egg that uh you had to kind of look close and be paying attention to the musical cue there. I actually had to pause and rewind cuz like I was like why is there a musical cue and why did they kind of zoom in on that skeleton I missed the name, you know.
0: So, why why is why are the Starfleet Archives which apparently are affiliated with Section 31? Why are they storing the bodies of famous Star Trek characters?
1: <laughs> uh yeah, what other famous uh Bodies are in there. Is, is uh, Captain John Harriman's corpse, Um, is that being
0: uh, kept in uh, the Daystrom station? Uh, I mean, it, it's all tied to, like, the audience's relationship with these characters, but I don't know that a lot of the characters on the show, Picard, would have the reverence for some of these that the audience does. But, yeah, if you've got just, like, we just walked through, like, past, like, you know, a couple doors and saw these. There has to be more bodies. There has to be, like classic Star Trek characters or characters we've never even heard of that are just, like, being housed in this facility. But my question is, why? Like, I could understand, okay, there's the reveal at the end of this episode, they stole the Picard body. And I'm like, I, I kind of get it. Like, you give, you know, his whole, like, uh, backstory uh, with Lacutus some thought. It's like, okay, maybe that does make sense. They'd want to store that in an archive. I don't know how they went and got the body in the first place, but nonetheless, I'm willing to go along. That sort of makes sense why they'd store that but like what does the body of james t kirk really offer at least it's like a kinder
1: way of dispatching with him than like leaving him on this uninhabited viridian (laughs) three you know i think they're just i I think they're just trying to pay respect uh with picard what were they going to do like leave him on the android planet with sutra like i can understand but what so i don't know Would um positronic golem Picard want to bury the real Picard on the French chateau? Like I maybe not. I don't know. That'd be a kind of a weird thing to have in your backyard. <laughs> so like I, I I'm sure
0: Starfleet is like, "Oh, okay. Why don't we? Eh, why don't we take it? Why not?" Like uh, I feel like James T Kirk would have preferred his ashes be like sprinkled in space than like housed in a vault <laughs> guarded by an AI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah
1: uh speaking of which we did see moriarty i kind of wish they just left that out of the trailer it would have been like kind of a cool shout out but then it kind of irked me that they're like "Eh, it's not even the real moriarty he's not (laughs) self-aware
0: fan service
1: okay fine then i I guess maybe lower decks could have some fun with him in that case yeah um yeah that's true you know you know i I will say this though um never has encounter at far point looked more cinematic than <laughs> when they did that hd transfer and put it into widescreen uh, and i've never been more excited about pop goes the weasel
0: yeah that was i don't know i, I don't know how i felt about it like it's so <laughs> you know remember and there was that episode i think it was if memory serves of star trek discovery where they had the previously on and showed footage from the yeah. cage and that felt like a fun little kind of like inside joke it wasn't part of the actual episode but it felt so weird to have twenty twenty three Riker having a flashback to nineteen eighty seven <laughs> Star Trek Next Generation Riker. It was like, ha, huh. I, I, I mean, I get it. Like they want to make this very clear for the audience, but it was weird. It was definitely weird.
1: I, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't mind it. Like that was maybe the, <laughs> at all the fan service, that was the mo- the one that I probably minded the least. I was like, mm. okay, okay, yeah. You know, um so i you know i what i kept kind of asking myself is where are we now going though like we've got the fan service out of the way we have beverly giving hugs to all these people pretending she never ghosted them for 22 (laughs) years i mean beverly seriously you're just gonna walk over and like uh pretend you've been ignoring your closest friends like um okay you go for that but um so we've got all this stuff out of the way Camp, where is the story going so far? What we know is that uh, the changelings want Jack. And I think it's obvious the changelings want the entire fleet of starships in one system on Frontier Day. That that sounds like a great idea. You get tens of thousands of starships in one place. I, I can't believe Starfleet uh, is infiltrated by changelings right now, right? And um, somehow... Jack's got something going on. I'm guessing they need Picard's corpse to—I don't know—some something to do with the DNA to connect with Jack or something. I don't know for some. I don't know. Like I—I I don't think it's just Iremata syndrome. I no. I, you know, like I don't think uh, Picard suddenly had uh, ninja skills after he was diagnosed with with
0: that. Exactly. I was gonna say, yeah. It's like he turns into Jason Bourne.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Jack is a weapon. Picard is some sort of key to that weapon. Um, They want to unleash this weapon on Frontier Day and destroy the entire fleet. And I keep, I guess I know the motivations is like, these are the changeling zealots. Um, If I'm just putting things together, I think I'm thinking about it logically. These don't seem like wild theories to me. Um, This kind of seems like a pretty standard kind of meh meh sort of mystery. Like, eh, okay. Yeah, they want to destroy the fleet. Cool.
0: I get it now. I had the thought, uh, and I agree with you. Like when they were saying all the ships were linked and all that, you're like, "Huh? How coincidental?" And yeah. uh, Tyler, which ships aren't linked uh, that were introduced in this episode? And oh, like the Bounty,
1: for example, uh, all or of those, the, all of them. Okay,
0: the classic, ep- the classic ships. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they don't okay. have that up to date technology, right? So. Uh, I think we may get a save coming in <laughs> with like, okay. you know, the this is pod racing. Uh, <laughs> all the cast like flying in on the classic ships. I think we may see that. And I don't know. I had the thought when they said Picard's body was stolen at the end. One of the oldest stories is man versus self. And we have had a lot of hemming and hawing over Picard's cursed backstory as Locutus. I think we're getting Picard versus lacutus
1: Uh Okay, I uh, why? Let me ask you that. I would like uh, to. They're, me, they're not telegraphing that though, and, and like I know you've been with kind of the nanobots from a while ago. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it doesn't seem as if they're telegraphing that though.
0: And yet they made a point to have Shaw's whole backstory be that he had had this experience at Wolf Three Five Nine and held against Picard, who was the cutest. And he introduced that fact into you know a couple episodes ago. Like this is hung over this entire series. Every is? season? There's, it, like, been references to that. In season one, they were having shots of, like, Picard standing in front of the hologram Locutus with it, like, projected on his face.
1: Yeah, uh, but he didn't turn into Locutus uh, by the end of it. And guess what? Like, what did he really do
0: with that Borg storyline in season one? Like, absolutely nothing. They right? haven't done anything yet, but it feels like this is something they keep revisiting, they keep bringing up. And this is not something that was continually brought up on TNG. You had, obviously, Best of Both Worlds. It was referred to a few times. But it does feel like they just keep bringing it up on Star Trek: Picard, and it feels like the one thing Picard has never really gotten over.
1: Okay, I I just I I don't think they brought it up on TNG because it was an entirely different era of television, and yeah. I think that they brought it up in season one of Picard because it'd be silly if you did not. You know, it'd just be like, how come you don't bring that up? You know, um, look, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I just. If I'm being quite honest, it, it feels like way too fan fiction-y,
0: you know. Tyler, we got old man Data back in this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just like
0: <sighs>
1: positronic Picard
0: versus locutus
1: of Borg. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just, I, I really hope that's not where we're going. It, it sounds, and I don't, I don't get the sense that that's where they're going
0: either. I am not defending this. I am not championing this. I'm well, just saying. Like you are. <laughs> no, this is not what Cam's dream uh, final story of Jean-Luc Picard is. It's just like, it seems to me like this is where it's headed. This is my guess at this point.
1: What, so what makes you think
0: this is where it's headed
1: beyond Shaw sharing a Battle of Wolf 359 story, which I think just makes sense organically that's, you know, um, that would be something that's haunting Picard. And like, I don't know, like... The, the the changelings want Picard's body to turn him into Locutus? Well. They're now in an alliance with the real board Collective, not the gerardi Collective?
0: I don't know. The, like, to me, it's like... Well,
1: you're the one that's that's floating No, no, there. like, that's, I'm not saying uh, that, that they... That's
0: all, that's all. But this show is, like, making up details as they go. I never could have predicted that I would wind up in an archive controlled by, like, Data's AI intelligence. Like... That's entirely invented in this episode. There was no, like, forecasting this. And that's kind of how I feel like with this. It's like, I don't know what the connection is, but I find it incredibly coincidental about the Picard body being stolen. And that is one of the greatest icons in Star Trek. And this is a show that has pilfered the history of Star Trek for iconic imagery. And you're telling me that Patrick Stewart's final journey is this character. They're not going to trot out Locutus at some point?
1: Yeah, I, I, I
0: again not defending not defending by the way
1: <laughs> well no but you're pitching yeah that, that's what it is it's your imagination at work and that's why i i, I i'm just kind of i'm pushing for you i just for me I, I would see i would have to believe that there's more like like stronger telegraphing that this could be in the works other than you know shaw brought up battle of three five nine uh wolf three five nine or that's you know they they've stolen picard's body i'm just i'm, I'm trying to justify it in my head or or make those leaps in my head about like what would get us to that point and, and it mean that the changelings are in some sort of alliance with the true borg collective they want to revive locutus for what reason exactly um the mechanics of taking a corpse at like a not living corp uh, body but like a a dead body and turning it into a living drone i'm not i'm saying that's totally possible yeah yeah. you know i'm just trying to i'm trying to make sense of this in my head about how this would work logically so um i don't know i don't know like i could be cam believe me with with the writing that we've seen over the last uh Two seasons, like, believe me, I I, I I could totally give it up if this does happen. I'm not saying it's impossible. Sure. I would just say it's it, it just seems a little far-fetched even for this writing staff. And I, I've been much more impressed with this writing staff than the previous two seasons.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's just like this show does obscure motivations constantly. We still don't really know what Vatica's is even doing in this show. Yeah. And no. there is that mysterious face. And we don't know what that means yet. Mysterious face is um, the board. <laughs> I know. I'm not ruling I, anything out. They had Moriarty pop up for no reason whatsoever in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: I know. I know. It, well, it was, it was fan service. Yes. Like that was the reason. Yes. You know. Um, and if it, the Moriarty stuff is like fan service that they should have left out of the marketing. You know, I, I think they put it in the marketing because it looked pretty cool mm-hmm. because he was drawing uh, like an old tiny pistol right at the camera.
0: It was a very cool shot, yeah. Like, I don't necessarily fault them for throwing that into a teaser to get people excited, and I can only assume that what is to come in the next, you know, few episodes till we get to the end, there's going to be a lot more moments like what happened in this episode, and that's the stuff they were not revealing. Yeah, yeah, and
1: I'm fine with that. And I'm also kind of relieved that, like, uh, critics and what have you, they've not gotten like the next batch of episodes either it's like so i kind of feel like it's a little safer in the ether for me to like i don't know dig around like online and not be worried that somebody's going to reveal something to me like um a certain guest telling me about ro Laren uh (laughs) appearing in last week's episode before i got to watch it
0: yeah yeah uh i i just think like anything is going to go in these last few episodes i am curious though like When you have this much fan service uh, in an episode of Star Trek Picard, and this whole season has been like this big, I don't know, victory tour for the next generation and that cast. Season one Picard was a real like, this is not TNG, you know, the next phase. Like this is the future of the life of Jean-Luc Picard. Is this season almost an admittance of failure of what Picard started out as?
1: Well, it's interesting because like Patrick Stewart,
0: he's done interviews and he
1: said like when I agreed to do this, I said like this is not going to be a reunion. Like uh, I'm adamant about that. And had he stuck to that, the writers would have had to abide by that, you know. But you know, Patrick Stewart, he said you know when I did the uh, Nepenthe episode uh, with Frakes and Surtis, it just it was kind of this reminder for me about like how great it could be to be working with these folks again. And so I think. If he's giving those writers the green light yeah. to bring in those characters, why would they say no? I don't think it's consciously an admittance that it was a failure. It was just more like – I think it's totally fine if people kind of like um, – like. Uh, do you know what I hate? People that go around saying, I have no regrets. I'm like, are you insane? Do you know how many like regrets I have? And, and I learned from those regrets, you know? And so I think they generally went in there with the best intentions in season one, like, let's do something different. And when the opportunity came up that they could have kind of like this uh, reunion, like, yeah, let, let's do it. Why not? It would be great to have it. It's, it's what, you know, obviously the actor, the lead wants. And it's what I think a lot of the fans would want it
0: as well. I mean, it's not even like a criticism because I think this season is infinitely better than seasons one and two, but it's just been interesting how the show has transitioned from season one into like season two, you know, suddenly you get Borg Queen, you get Q, and then this season just goes whole hog with just throwing fan service everywhere. It's just interesting the origins of what Picard promised. It's a little bit um, like how, you know, uh, Strange New Worlds, people were like, I really like a show that's like Star Trek. Whereas when you look at what Discovery was when it started, they went far afield and then slowly wandered back over the course of various, you know, seasons and shows to get a little more Star Trekky. Did they? Uh, I mean, in terms of, like, going from, like, Star Trek Discovery, putting out a few seasons, that, and then finally you get back to Strange New World, so they're like, let's just tell Star Trek stories. That's what I mean.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, Star Trek Discovery is giving the fans what they want. No, no, like... no. I
0: would never say that, Tyler. That would be the rantings <laughs> of a madman.
1: I thought you were like, yeah, you know, Discovery, they had it all figured
0: out. Or, you know, I was like, uh, okay, okay. You know? I mean, maybe, to be kind, maybe a little bit when you had some episodes in season uh, four where they were going and investigating that, like, tomb ship or whatever, like where it was kind of a standalone Star trek episode. I guess a little bit
1: yeah, but it's like I, I think there's
0: uh, you know
1: you you can take an average episode from season one, yeah, or season two and far superior than that um tomb ship episode that we got there.
0: I'm just being very, very kind when you, I say that you <laughs> are being very, very
1: kind. I just that that's just a show that's gone completely off the rails. and I don't know who that show is for. and and I know that sounds bad because it's obviously the most diverse show that we've ever seen in terms of representation Mm -hmm. on on Star Trek. But I think from a dramatic uh, writing perspective and a storytelling perspective, it is quite bad. Like, like I did, I like, I, I I wish if we were going to get like the, the most diverse cast ever, they were given much better like material to work with than these dragged out stories that just some of the most boring, um, self-aggrandizing sort of stuff I've ever witnessed in television
0: Interesting that Discovery though even as it kept going never really went full-on fan servicey. I mean, I guess season 2 did somewhat with Pike and everything but season 3 and 4 didn't I wonder if season 5 they'll suddenly be like let's meet, you know the ancestors of classic characters let's meet some of these aliens that have been ignored through Discovery's journey to the future that would not surprise me I... I don't know
1: I mean, this show is just, it, it, it's, like, I, I i get the sense that at least they don't want to make it, like, um, trauma porn, like we saw so much, uh, especially the last two seasons. Yeah. You know, like, they, they it's interesting because they're like, yeah, we're going to introduce adventure. And you kind of know that that's what they're trying to do at the beginning of season two. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of went off the rails again. And now they've kind of, like, how, wasn't season four just a miserable sit? It was, like even people that popped like Tarka it just ended up like they're swimming in a pool of mystery or misery you know at a certain point i'm just like oh man this show is just such a bummer to watch also mystery
0: cuz whatever happened to Tarka <laughs> Ugh, yeah let's keep it a mystery like why <laughs> sure folks okay like he's going to be popping up in season 5 i have high doubts
1: against that yeah, well, like there's ten more episodes left of that series until it's over. I yeah, I agree. I I don't think they're gonna devote much screen time to the mystery of Tarka.
0: No, no. So you know, I kind of said early on that I the return of Jordi Laforge really worked for me. But what did you think?
1: Um, I felt a little bit more mixed on that. The yet again we have a character being defined by daddy issues here with Sydney. Mm. It, it's lines like, "You ever wonder why I kept crashing those speeders?" I just wanted to be there fixing them up with you, Dad. And <laughs> I, uh, I'm like, uh, okay. It, it is like like I found that scene a little painful. And also, like I know what you're saying, and like it doesn't surprise you that Jordy would kind of grow into like a rigid father figure. Like that doesn't surprise me either. But it's like he yeah. just didn't seem quite self-aware about like the fact that, you know, he was in the exact same position as Sydney was, you know, uh 30, 40 years ago. And it's and also this is not a teenager. This this is a woman. You know, like this is a grown adult making these decisions as well. And it's like, I don't know, are they are Elandra and Sid, Sydney like Starfleet equivalent of like Nepo babies at this point? Like kind of like <laughs> feel bad for them. You know, but also like moments where like Sydney is like, um, no, no, Jordy is like. Like we're family. The crew is not your family, and Sydney's like, "Yes, they are." I'm like, <laughs> "Are they?" Yeah, I, I that mean, I, do,
0: I get no sense of like them being a family. There was a part too where like Picard is talking to Jordy and he says, "She needs you," and then they do a cutaway to his daughter because they were like, maybe the audience doesn't know who Picard's yeah. talking about. Yeah, exactly. I was like, "Come on, you don't need to be that on the nose." I I think the problem with this storyline for me was like, I don't really have anything against it, but. Crash is not a fully fleshed out character, really. So, to have so much of this episode built around her relationship with Jordy just didn't really work. It would make a lot more sense if Crash had been explored like over the first few episodes of this season. But at this point, honestly, I'm more invested in Jordy just because I know who he is.
1: And look, it was fun getting to see him do some engineering. I like how, because <laughs> they can't afford an engineering set. We go into the same room where <laughs> you're either fixing the nacelles, or you're fixing gas leaks, or you are fixing a cloaking device. It's always the same little chamber. I'm like, oh, this is this is what happens when you can't afford to build like an engineering set. But at least getting to see uh, Jordy use his tools and get in on the action—that was fun to see, you know.
0: Just be glad they weren't in ten forward fixing something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can't. I was thinking to myself today, which set at this point in Picard's run has been used most? Has it been La Serena? Has it been uh, La Chateau Picard? Or has it been the 10 forward bar?
0: Oh, boy. I think it has to be the the Chateau, just given all the action they shot there and everything. Plus that whole tunnel system underground, which I feel like was about 12 hours of TV time. Um, <laughs> right. I felt that, right? <laughs> yeah, I felt that way. So I would say the, the Chateau, but I don't know that the Chateau jumps out to me as like, like I can't say when I was watching season two, I was wondering why are they spending so much time in the house? Whereas I have I have felt that way more so with 10 forward where it's just like, wow, huh, we're back on 10 forward, huh? It feels a little more like kind of standout-ish here.
1: We also recall that in season one, uh, Lesterino is equipped with... Uh, uh, holographic projectors everywhere, and so the Picard would go into his quarters, and it'd be you know La Chateau Picard as well. But yeah. I still think I still think Las Arena has probably been given more screen time just because it's been in all three seasons, whereas so far uh, the Picard estate it was only featured briefly in the premiere episodes of season three. Yeah. Um, but man, they love that ten Ford set. I mean,
0: they all love it a lot. They really do. I mean. You had a good scene here. Um, I like the stuff they've been developing with Jack and Picard. It's actually working for me. And I wasn't someone who was particularly excited about the whole prospect of, you know, Jack being Picard's son. But when they're talking about, you know, this um, disease that's passed on and what Jack has maybe gained from Picard that's positive. Like, I'm like, okay, this stuff is actually hitting emotional like, beats for me. And I think a lot of it, honestly, just has to go to the fact that both actors are really good. Yeah.
1: No, I really do like uh, Ed Spilliers. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I think so, yeah. It's just a little... I don't know. Like, Cam, if if you were diagnosed with, I don't know, like, aromatic Syndrome or something, yeah. would your first reaction be to blame your father, like, for that? You know? It just kind of... It just seems a little immature... And then by the end of the episode he's like, "But I guess I inherited other great traits as well." I'm just to me that seemed just a little trite
0: there. It did, but I felt like the actors pulled it off. Like in terms of like, you know, writing that on the page, it's a bit much, but I I felt like they were doing the lord's work in making this actually sing on screen. Um and it was actually kind of interesting because it is a thing that can happen in real life where, you know, genetic conditions can be passed on. So it's like Two actors in a sci-fi universe talking about a, you know, fictional disorder in a way that can relate to humanity. Like, it's actually one of the few cases where modern Star Trek is trying to do something like that. Um, because I don't know that they were really doing that sort of thing when they were in a vault battling Moriarty. Really? I'm shocked to hear that. <laughs> and and n- battling um, an attack triple as well. That too, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Why are they keeping a triple? I. I... <laughs> <laughs> Cam, you're asking me the wrong per- person. You know, what is something that should have been there? Like something that maybe makes oh, more okay. sense. That's not as because this was like really obvious things that you could be like a newbie to Star Trek and know. Oh, James T. Kirk. Oh, a tribble. I know what those are. But there has to be things that are more appropriate that could have been there. Well, this is the Section Thirty-One
1: um, area. And so, I don't know, maybe um, they took, like, stole one of the um, prophets, you know, like, uh, or the orbs uh, from the Bajorans, and they're keeping, I don't know, the orb of um, battle. (laughs) I don't know, like, something like that there. That could have been something fun to see. Um, What other, uh, because the thing is, I I feel like there's some of those, remember, like, kind of the collector episode that we got in Lower Decks, and we had a lot of those kind of easter eggs like mm-hmm. you know the headset from the game for example like i'm wondering what else would be something kind of um off the beaten tracks as well or but or at least something that makes sense i would have loved the body of luther sloan <laughs> sure <laughs> uh how okay so he no but he got okay apparently what they thought is like he was vaporized in that transporter malfunction oh no no no! and then he came back for extreme measures yeah and then he slipped himself uh i don't know kind of like. A the equivalent of cyanide pill. Yeah, okay, okay. okay. The, no, you know what, Cam? Do you know what I think this season's been leading to? I think we're going to get uh, Locutus of Sloan. We're going to get Luther of Sloan. <laughs> that's that's what this entire season... I think they're telegraphing it, Cam. We're going to get Luther of Sloan by the end of it.
0: <laughs> now, would that make it the greatest season of Star Trek? <laughs> yes, yes, it would, Cam. With William Stadler. And it's even better if he's giant size as well. <laughs> sure, <laughs> no, just just his fingers. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, uh. Um, a couple moments, you know, I, I do want to go back to uh seven of nine though. Um, as much as I was kind of like rolling my eyes at the member berries that uh, that we saw here, I did like it where we had that moment with seven where she flashes to the Voyager and she's like, "I was reborn there. Mm-hmm. She was my home. The crew was my family." I did believe that, and then it just makes it all the much sadder to see how lost seven was by the time that we encountered her halfway through season one of Picard. You know, like, she was uh, a serial killer. She was still dealing with the death of Echeb, you know. Uh, clearly, uh, um, <laughs> Admiral Janeway was bluffing when she threatened to quit if uh, Seven of Nine could not get into Starfleet. You know, it, it, it felt as if she had lost her family. and And we had discussed this before, but, like, yeah, it seems as if it would have been, easy for that crew to kind of disperse uh over the years, you know. And um I do I like I do like where they've gone with Seven uh this season far more than any other season. I, I really do like the Seven story, but I also keep wondering in my head, like, what is Seven's journey by the time we get to
0: the end of season three? A spinoff? <laughs> That's well, what yeah. I'm wondering. Yeah. I mean, who knows like uh, I You know, that moment where she talks about being reborn on Voyager, that moment packed way more power for me than, like, showing the Voyager and hitting the music cue. Like, yeah. that's easy, but having a great moment performed wonderfully by Jerry Ryan, that's where the emotional punch of that side of the ship is for me. And, you know, with Seven, I, I would like to see her continue on with Starfleet and maybe we can get a, you know... Event movie or something about seven. I thought it was interesting that her and Raffi broke up between seasons again. (laughs) It's like, boy, that whole relationship is off screen. Um, but uh, (laughs) I was okay with it. (laughs) Well, I think after like, I think after season two, we knew that wasn't
1: really a healthy relationship. (laughs) So good, good on them for both getting out of that. Are they getting back together
0: by the end of the season? Do you think?
1: I really hope not. Like, they, they, like. I thought it was like kind of an interesting couple when they teased it at the end of season one. I was like, "Oh, that could be interesting." And then all they did was like squabble with each other. I was like, "Ooh, this is bad." You know, at least they didn't find anything interesting for them to do. So I really hope they don't get back together. Like, did did I know? Were you satisfied with anything they did while they were a couple in season two?
0: No, no, not at all. Um, Yeah, I know the whole thing was just kind of a train wreck of writing there. Uh, So for me, it's like. I would really be excited about, you know, spitting off whatever. If they want to do like a Titan limited series with Seven and Shaw, I'm down. If they want to then spin off maybe Raffi, because it seems like they're very invested in the Raffy character. If they want to spin her off and, you know, have her working with Worf in a season of TV, that's fine. I don't need to see that, you know, Seven and Raffy together. I just don't think that's as interesting. Go in separate directions.
1: Yeah. Um... Speaking of, like, potential characters with some uh, some juice to them that would work in a, a spinoff series. Um, I, I Well, okay. It was amusing to see Shaw geeking out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, uh, Picard and Seven give sideways glances when uh, Shaw is geeking out in front of Geordi. But the thing is, Shaw was defined by not having any sort of hero worship, you know, for the first, like, half of the season. And then he just kind of succumbs to that. I think it was a bit of a betrayal. Of that character, uh, it was a very amusing moment. Um, you know, maybe you could argue like, well, he still has engineer heroes. You know, I can get that, but I, I'm I'm sorry, but like, um, uh, Todd Stashwick's delivery of, yeah, it's been a weird week. I mean, <laughs> even then, he's kind of got that kind of uh, that brusque sort of edge to it. Like, he, like I just love how he has an edge to him, even in those kind of more vulnerable moments too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this was maybe the weakest episode for Shaw. Oh, yeah. Um, Where, like, yeah, you had that moment, and I get, like, kind of the comedy of it. I I don't know that I necessarily liked it, but it was kind of funny in the sense it's, like, a very prickly character. Is it all of another very prickly character? (laughs) Like, that's (laughs) kind of funny. But um, a lot of this episode just had Shaw basically just sitting kind of silently while um, Riker and Picard steered the ship. And that's not how I like to see my Shaw. I like to see my Shaw barking at people and getting surly. Well, I'm sure he's going to get a couple
1: more of those moments before the series ends. Um, but Cam, I, I need to float this to you. Okay. So we've got this changeling threat. We know that Starfleet's been infiltrated. And it's interesting that they didn't bring up the changeling threat aboard the Titan at all. Like, we do know that last week that um, there are changelings aboard the Titan, and they only have a skeleton crew left as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I Okay, so if they want us to wonder if there is a you know, somebody has the potential to have been a changing this entire time. I don't think it's going to be any of the main cast members. Uh, You know, whether it's Raffi or Seven, I don't think it's going to be (laughs) Jack Crusher. I don't think it's going to be any of the legacy TNG characters. Who does that leave us with uh, among all the characters of any sort of significance that we've been introduced to this season?
0: Um, Crash LaForge, but they already pulled that trick. Hmm. Shaw. Yeah, I mean And that no, would be a, such one. a
1: bummer if it's just I don't know. Maybe this Changeling is perfectly like great at impersonating Shaw and maybe there is like kind of a, a a Shaw still out there who's just as prickly and could be just as fun. Um but it would just kind of be a bummer if this character is revealed to be a changeling at the end. And I don't know who else of any sort of significance could be revealed as a changeling if they want to go down that route, and I don't know, like there's gotta be some sort of changeling reveal by the end of the season, right?
0: I would think so. Maybe it's Laris, so they can easily write that character out and have Picard go off with Beverly at the end
1: she's been a changeling ever since she was a
0: supervisor her husband is actually still alive <laughs> the real laris is elsewhere on vacation
1: no the, the husband is like uh kind of like absorbed into the great
0: link within her so like yeah that's what's been going on right yeah there has to be someone otherwise it's like why tease this whole thing and there's no one at starfleet We care about and they're not showing starfleet it's not like that like mean admiral from season one the sheer effing hubris admiral yeah it's not like we've been checking in with that character over the course of the season or necheyev's on the season or something like that where there could be a reveal so no one matters at starfleet hq it has to be someone on the show and yeah no i I think you're right unless do you think there's a chance that the Troy that they had captive was a changeling and it's just being used as bait.
1: I was actually just thinking about that like as we were having this conversation, you know? Um, But then again, I'm just like, oh, so we've got Troy back, but not really. Like we don't get to see like the real Troy, which would be kind of a bummer, you know? I'm just like, um, (laughs) I'd be fine if um, Kestra was in there and Kestra (laughs) was revealed to be the changeling instead. Like, I don't know. Uh, And the real Kestra
0: is safe with Captain Crandall. (laughs) <laughs> I mean it would be easier if you are on the ship of changelings to just like impersonate Troy versus going all the way to Nepente and picking her up. Yeah. Um you know, it's less work and it would still be just as effective when you've got Riker captured here. The um warp speed that they're using in this episode
1: Appears to be, like, much faster warp speed than I've ever experienced in uh, Star Trek at this point, though. They are bouncing all over the galaxy in no time.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like when J.J. Abrams did his Star Wars movies and made hyperspace just, like, instantaneous, like, bopping all over the galaxy. Uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I do enjoy more of the space travel atmosphere of star trek you know all those shots we would get where it would be like the enterprise flying through space with the majestic music playing captain's log things like that but i can understand from the point of view of kind of more of an action-driven story why things are just kind of teleporting all over the place yeah
1: um cameron uh, before we jump over to guest vicky sue uh maybe some star trek news uh you want to talk about
0: yeah for sure
1: Okay, well, uh, we have Alex Kurtzman. He's giving more interviews and stuff. Um, he says that there will be uh, more news to share coming soon. Um, my best guess, uh, April 5th, his first contact day, so that would kind of make sense. But um, So he has been kind of you know, hinting that... Um, yeah, he did an interview with uh, SFX uh, magazine, I should add here, that um, he's saying that, you know, like, think more movies and miniseries moving forward. Mm-hmm. And... I think we are in a very precarious moment when it comes to um, the business model for streaming services. And Paramount Plus saying yes to an ongoing series that might be a little bit too much for them at this point i think they're probably happy with strange new worlds we had akiva goldsman doing another interview uh he of course is a co-creator of strange new worlds and he said that the uh, third season is just about to start filming so we haven't heard that officially but this is the co-creator of the show so that's mm. good news to hear yep um but i think it kind of makes sense if you're just like going on like um more like miniseries or, or movies that like I don't mind that either. I mean, I think Star Trek always works best as an ongoing TV series, although I can point to Picard season two and say, <laughs> no, that's not Star Trek at its best. But I do like the idea or of,
0: discovery. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I do like the idea of like, let's, let, let's jump in with maybe some familiar faces as well mm-hmm. and do some kind of outing. Like that would be kind of cool if, you know, like you kind of alluded to it. What if Seven of Nine, I don't know, had six episodes? Um, I don't know, uh, battling Locutus of Borg or something <laughs> like that.
0: I think that's the right approach to take because it's something where you and I have talked about potential spinoffs for characters and it's like, is there that much fodder to do like a three season wharf TV show? Yeah. I don't know, like maybe, but it it seems to me like it would be more interesting to just Put together a really compelling two-hour wharf movie, and I think you know fans would enjoy that, and you could make it really fantastic.
1: Look, I, I think ten episodes with the legacy TNG crew—that sounds like perfect to me. Like, don't you think it would just feel contrived if we had season after season of mm-hmm. this crew together? You know, like I—I I, that's why I kind of think that maybe like a uh, a two-hour streaming movie for the TNG crew makes more sense. Then, like, let's get Picard season four with all the same cast members again. Like, I'm like, eh, like, it just feels as if like there, there's more potential for them to falter that way, you know. So, um, yeah, like, I, I, one other thing though is, I also think it makes sense with this Section Thirty-One stuff, you know. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Kurtzman is claiming Section Thirty-One is not dead. The the spin-off series, no one ever wanted, but um, look, you they're got... very excited. They are very excited about it, Tyler. I just think if they they should just kind of rebrand this as like a Captain or you know a, a Giorgio sort of spinoff rather than focus on Section Thirty One because I I don't I don't need to watch like a, a Section Thirty One series but I also I don't think this is going to be any sort of ongoing series I think it falls more in the line of like let's do a mini series and you know if uh, if I've got six episodes uh, of uh, adventuring with Oscar winning Michelle Yeoh as Giorgio sign me up for that I think that'd be amazing.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I need to see. Well, first off, I don't even understand how the Giorgio, who we last saw walking through the Guardian of Forever, to like journey throughout time, is suddenly like in charge of Section Thirty-One. Like that seems kind of boring and underwhelming. If I can yeah. journey through time and do anything I want, why am I hanging out and leading Section Thirty-One? That's that, that doesn't make any sense. Black Ops. Like yeah, <laughs> like why? Uh, I can uh, do anything. I, I can go anywhere. Why yeah. would I do that? <laughs> Why would I get a job? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So I, I don't, it, we've always kind of panned the Section 31 idea, but apparently Kurtzman, he loves the idea of Section 31. I believe it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I hope they rethink that. And I, I, I'm guessing that they are rethinking that at that point. So, um, Kim, is there any like Star Trek news uh, we're missing before we jump over to our guest? I don't
0: think so. So why don't we shuttle on over and meet up with our guest, Vicky Sue? And now, stepping out of a top secret Section 31 vault, special guest, Vicky Sue. Vicky, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
0: We are living the dream. I'm doing quite well.
1: Yeah, living the dream, that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. But uh, Vicky's. <laughs> thank you so much for uh, coming back on the show. I think what it's been a kind of pandemic era discovery when we're still reviewing discovery week to week, uh, back in the day, that was the last time you're on the show with us. And so we're so happy to get you back on the show and lend your thoughts on Picard, uh, the bounty.
2: I'm so glad to be back here. Uh, yeah, I actually have been quite busy post pandemic. Um, been working a lot of, on a lot of things. So I actually haven't had a lot of time for TV and all the nerdy things that uh, filled my time prior to that but uh, I had just coming on this podcast and we set a date so I had to marathon um, all of Picard like mostly mostly today <laughs> just just earlier today but I'm caught up and I just watched The Bounty.
0: Okay so maybe putting aside you know the latest episode of Picard what was the journey like binging Picard?
2: Uh, I think that it started off kind of corny and cheesy and i get this kind of feeling like oh here here we go up to their old <laughs> hijinks again um and i think it's just watching it uh when you're watching the series they they do they risk they risk life and limb over the course of an episode so when they're playing out what i can see as one issue or maybe a two-parter episode uh the the drama sometimes is a bit unexpected because that wasn't played up very much in the uh TNG series.
1: Well I gotta ask because I, I think you were also on the show I, I I have a distinct recollection that wasn't it like Pi Day or something like that when we were like yeah. doing like season one Picard?
2: Oh yeah yeah I, uh yeah yeah.
0: It was for Nepente.
2: Remind me what that episode is.
0: It was the one where we were reintroduced to Riker and Troy.
2: Okay. Uh, is this on the planet, like, their planet with their cabin?
0: Yes. Yes, with really? Kestra, okay. their daughter, yes.
2: Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then he was cooking pizza.
0: That's right. <laughs> Red
2: Friday. Alert. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so,
1: after you wrap season one of a card, um, what was it like, you know, jumping into season two which i i'll come out i I don't want to influence you at all um i struggled with season two of picard myself personally
2: okay um why is that
1: um i think that it was written by monkeys that were (laughs) smashing their foreheads against typewriters i (laughs) i i think that um what happened though and, and this is From what I understand, is that it kind of fell victim to COVID filming schedules. I think they had to throw out a lot of scripts and uh, rewrite on the fly. And Mm. there was a lot of uh, COVID protocols that had uh, prevented them from filming more interior scenes. And they suddenly said, well, we can do exterior stuff in LA. Let's figure out an LA storyline. And that's how you have, you know, episodes in which you are, you know, spending two entire hours at some sort of Gala during some sort of like caper, and I just my, my my attention seemed to get away from me. Uh, much of season two, I see,
2: My see. Okay, that's fair,
1: but you, on the other hand, you seem to love uh, the board queen and uh, the, the return of Q, or, or what's your take on uh, that, that second season of Picard?
2: Um, well, I think with season one of Picard, uh, I don't know, it's just it's it was the the series that he got it was the comeback. And I think it was the feeling like in the moment, um, because everybody wants to see uh jean luc Picard on screen again. So, you know, uh and I don't think they had renewed the other the other seasons, the following seasons at that point yet. So it's just I don't know. I think the feeling was I was just happy to like see him reprise the role again.
0: Right. And like did that enthusiasm from season one carry into season two for you?
2: Uh No, I don't think that it did, but I still had to stick with it. Honestly, it's the only series that I'm watching because I abandoned Discovery. I just abandoned it.
0: Ooh, breaking news.
1: (laughs) At what points, I mean, like Cam and I, it was actually the first time that we gave up uh, uh, reviewing episodes week to week. Like with Discovery, we just realized we couldn't do it anymore. So we (laughs) just, we'd watch like, you know, three episodes in a row and then and then we'd uh, recap some of those episodes. It's just like season four, we can, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I always do. Um, it was so boring. I was just bored out of my mind about what was unfolding on screen.
2: Yes, they played up uh, the storyline between the characters a lot more. And and I just got so far away from the Federation. I didn't know really what I was watching anymore and I that I wasn't. I was there to watch Star Trek and that was not it.
0: Right. And you've said you mo- mostly just watched Picard, but did you check in at all with like Lower Decks or Prodigy or any of the other shows?
2: No, I watched a few episodes of Lower Decks here and there, but no, I didn't. I never finished it.
0: Okay. Okay. So it didn't grab you in a big way. No. The humor was just too edgy for you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. No, it's not edgy. It's it's kind of cute, tongue in cheek kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But, I don't know. I haven't had a lot of time for TV, like I said.
0: That's fair. It's fair. You don't have a weekly podcast where you have to talk about such things.
2: <laughs> no, exactly.
0: <laughs> she
1: has like a a pie podcast in which uh, she brings pies uh, onto that uh, particular show there.
2: No, I'm heavily on Instagram nowadays.
0: <laughs> mm.
2: documenting, documenting things from my uh, creative endeavors.
0: Right. And what would those be?
2: I, well, I'm cooking now, and as you know, I uh, was a florist, or am a florist, and I had my own shop, but now I'm actually working with the city, and we make eco-sculptures, which are, like, giant chia pets. Wow. All
1: right, well, so if we jump into the third season, you know, we, as you said, you know, the the kind of, the the crew's back to their old hijinks, what's been a character that's kind of popped for you? Like, who have you been really excited to see, and who's kind of been, like, uh, really, I don't know, uh, killing it on screen?
2: I'm going to say uh, Dr. Crusher. I can't yeah. remember her. Her, What's the actor's real name?
1: Oh, Gates McFadden.
2: Gates McFadden, pardon me. Um, yeah, I... Actually, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to take that back. I think I like Jack Crusher.
0: Ooh. And what is it about Jack Crusher that's jumping out to you?
2: Uh, Well, you know... He's good looking, first of all. He has great hair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I can only dream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, yeah, well, he does apologize for it. Mm. Um, no, I think that he, like in the latest episode, oh shit, is it in the latest episode I watched? Oops, pardon me, I swore. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your podcast.
1: Eh, um, it's fine. We actually did. Uh, we had to bleep out uh, one uh, Benjamin Yong a couple <laughs> weeks ago, though, which was uh, interesting. And we don't bleep out much, so I'll leave that to the uh, oh. listeners' imaginations.
2: I see. Has he still been guessing? Uh, no, but we, <laughs> we,
1: we, we somehow managed to get him in to talk about the uh, the return of the TNG cast, though.
2: Oh, I see. I see. I see. Oh, it's like bringing us back as well.
1: Old old chums. (laughs) Old chums, exactly. Yes. Okay. The legacy Um, crew.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So Jack Crusher. Um, I think that I was really impressed when in the scene. I don't know which episode it was now because they're all blending into one. But they were in the holodeck bar and he (laughs) was oh yeah, they were they thought they were gonna die in the in the nebula, the living nebula. And then uh he, he genuinely like the acting came across as him genuinely not seeking out the attention or affection of his father. That he was one, he was one with his choice.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that character has been a bit of a surprise. Uh, at least he has been for me. Where initially I was a little resistant to the idea of Picard's, you know, kind of long lost son, and I actually think. They have pretty strong chemistry, and this character is working far better than he should be. And given Seasons 1 and 2, in my eyes, I, I didn't have a lot of confidence, and the fact they pulled this off has been quite encouraging. Mm-hmm. I I think that's
1: why you, if you need a 20-year-old character, you always hire a 36-year-old actor, right?
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, he's True. supposed to be like 20. He's supposed to be 26? Uh, I think 23. Oh, 20. Okay, okay, so... Twenty years ago, plus or minus.
1: It's around kind of the uh, the Star Trek Nemesis era, I think, is yeah. when um, it, it sounds as if uh, Picard and, and Crusher accidentally consummated uh, when what? Well, uh, accidentally consummated. <laughs> Well, that's sorry. Oh my! Um, no, <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> that, that, that's uh, I accidentally... slept Beverly.
0: <laughs> sorry, <laughs> accidentally yeah.
1: uh, uh, got B- uh, Beverly impregnated. Uh, yeah. Is what I meant. To... Conceived, conceived, not right. Yes, <laughs> not yes. consummated. <laughs> yeah. So Beverly would have been well into her fifties at that point, and uh, you know we would have had what eighty or no seventy-five year old. Picard at that point, right? Got to hand it to 24th century medicine.
2: Someone's keeping those two going. Oh, but you know what? I, as much as I, love her, I want to walk back a little bit. Um, I really liked Ensign Row. Oh, mm, yeah. yes. Yeah, that was yeah. No, I might. Are you? Like, spoilers are not a thing on the podcast.
0: No, go nuts.
2: Because yeah, that that death. Um that was that was a tearjerker for sure. Um I'm glad that they I'm glad that they brought her back. And I um yes, that was one of the most impactful episodes. Uh, what is the episode that she's in and she leaves for um the Maki? Uh
1: preemptive strike was the TNG episode. Preemptive
2: strike. Okay, I okay. Not only is that a great episode because it's a great episode and it's well written, but I love the episode because he made Picard Hasparat, um, the Bajoran <laughs> <laughs> delicacy before she before she ultimately betrayed him.
1: I wish there was like a Hasparat reference in this one, but I, I just think that the moments in which uh, Michelle Forbes and Patrick Sturt are going back and forth, I mean, it may have been 30 years since they were last on screen together, but their chemistry, I, I mean, it continued to pop. You know, like they, those two really worked well together all those decades ago and just seeing them on screen again, it, it was excellent. And mm-hmm. I, I mean... I guess it also gives some sort of finality. We still haven't seen a body of Ro. She might have transported onto the Intrepid at the very last second, But uh, if Michelle Forbes ever wants to come back. But um, Mm. it gave some finality to a character who, I I think just knowing what ended up happening to the Maquis on Deep Space Nine, I'm kind of happy that we did get a little bit more closure with uh, that character.
2: I actually didn't watch... um... I didn't really follow the Dominion War um, on DS9 because I didn't really watch that series. Not, not. I only watched it here and there. I didn't watch it in its entirety.
1: Right. So, what what do you think about these references to the Dominion War and the Great Link and the Changelings? H- h- do you feel confused, or do you think they're kind of explaining it to you? That's not as DS9 savvy as, uh, say, uh, Cam is.
2: Uh. Well, I think I only clued in when you mentioned about it now. Um. But the Dominion War is between the Cardassians. Uh, please correct me at any point where I'm wrong. The Cardassians um, were trying to eliminate the Bajorans, uh, and among other worlds, which other worlds were they trying to invade?
1: Um, cliff notes version. Um, the. <laughs> the- The Dominion War started when the Klingons were tricked into attacking Cardassia, which deeply weakened Cardassia. So then Cardassia formed an alliance with uh, aliens that were on the other side of the galaxy that they were able to form an alliance with through that wormhole next to Deep Space Nine. And the aliens that were all part of the Dominion, they came through the wormhole and uh, they started war on the Federation uh, because they wanted to bring order to the galaxy and they were uh, uh given a lot of uh, uh support by the Cardassians, uh and so that's kind of the dominion war that lasted for the, the final two seasons of deep space Nine.
2: so it was the it was the uh race from across the wormhole that convinced the Cardassians to attack the klingons
1: yeah they were well it's because they were like um Uh, You know how, like, we're seeing, like, these kind of changeling imposters, you know, the last couple episodes, and that's essentially what they uh, used to fool the Klingons into attacking Cardassia with uh, uh, one particular Klingon leader uh, was uh, pretending to be, or was, in fact, a changeling imposter. I see. Yeah. So I'm giving you like this exposition dump. Um, do you think you even need this going into what we're seeing with uh, you know, Picard season three? Did do, do you kind of follow the changing thing? Because I'm sure you know like who Odo is, and like that Odo was kind of a shapeshifter as these changings are. Do you think it's a little bit confusing for somebody not so familiar with Deep Space Night?
2: No, um, no, I don't find it confusing. Um, they make reference to it, and I think I know enough about the uni, like the Trek universe, to follow along because. Uh, I understand the importance or the the depth of the relationship between Roe and Picard. Uh, so no, I don't think so. Um, unless there's something overarching in the storyline that I'm missing or I'm going to be surprised at.
1: Cam, do you think there's anything big that, like the somebody who's not familiar with Deep Space Nine would need to know at this point?
0: Not yet. I yeah. don't like. Who knows going forward? Because as you know, Vicky brought up. Uh, we had Roe recently on the show we have no idea who could pop up in the future and i guess maybe that's a question you know vicky are there any characters you would like to see show up because i think honestly a lot of people are on the table
2: um i want to see borg queen or agnes
0: right <laughs> oh, wow and why <laughs> what is it about them you want to see like what would you like to see you know continue to develop with them
2: i have a particular fondness for the borg and uh in i think in the last few seasons uh it was kind of a shame uh where what show is it where they basically like destroyed the borg
1: so that was uh, star trek voyager series finale Endgame
2: no more recently oh uh Well, that's Picard, Uh, right? I think so. Anywho, (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, No, I just, I really like them exploring the Borg, and I can see that is coming to play with uh, Jack Crusher, and I'm wondering if it's friend or foe. So, you know, if it's friend, um, maybe there is a Borg queen or Agnes is out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I would like to see the board on screen again.
1: Okay, okay. Well, why don't we jump into The Bounty? Uh, we have the return of Geordie. We get to see a lot of starship porn with all those like classic legendary ships uh, that were popping up on screen as well. Um, for this particular episode, the last one you had to binge watch before joining us. What was your overall takeaway from uh, episode six, uh, season three of Picard, The Bounty?
2: Uh, it's great to see Data again. Um, will oh, I think that Jordy's acting was great in this particular episode.
0: This felt like a Jordy who'd properly developed over the years, like it didn't feel weird seeing him in this mode. It felt natural,
2: yes, it felt very natural. Um, compared to compared to Picard, compared to um, Gates McFadden, even at times compared to Riker, because I see Riker. Um, the scene where he's getting, where he's getting tortured by, uh... oh, Vatic. Yes, by Vattic, Um where he's getting tortured. He, he, it's very like manly kind of scene, which right. I think that he must have had some. He must have had some pull in getting, getting that put in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Jordy, I don't. Know, he comes off as very sincere. Um, he, yeah, he fits the role great.
0: And, you know, a key part of this episode was the reintroduction of something that's sort of data. What was your reaction to seeing, you know, this evolution of the android back on the show?
2: I am quite surprised um, because I thought we were were just done with it in season one. And I (laughs) thought that we had our final kind of closure with the card and data. but I'm also I'm glad. I'm happy for it. And I'm happy that uh they put Data and Jordy on screen because that was that was something that I think that people were missing out on our fans um would like to see.
1: I would like to see uh some more uh data as uh Sherlock Holmes with uh Jordy as uh Watson at some point before the season wraps up, right?
2: <laughs> right in for that.
0: <laughs> I'll be campaigning on, uh, uh, campaigning on social media.
2: Sounds
0: great. Awesome. So, I mean, just as we get towards the end, is there anything you'd like to see? Because we've got, what, four episodes left. Where would you like to see this season end? Because this is kind of the wrap-up to Jean-Luc Picard, given this is the final season of the show.
2: Mm, well, which other characters have they have they yet to bring back from TNG?
0: Uh, Wesley? Wesley?
2: <laughs> oh oh well he was oh, in we season two at,
1: yeah we did see him at the end of season two but i mean i i think like the the big ones you know that are out there maybe i'll just list a couple that and uh, maybe you can uh pick some of them out uh, uh vicky but uh, admiral Chev, um uh, sila of course played by denise crosby one commander shelby would be interesting to see um, of course, that really old Admiral in Season 1 of uh, Picard, uh, or, or of uh, TNG, that's Cam's favorite character.
0: No, no, that's Baran. Baran's my favorite. Baran from uh, Gambit, you know, yeah. the the
1: villain there. Um, Cam, I believe you wanted to return to the uh, the Code of Honor planet. Um, oh, uh, that uh, wasn't
0: me. No, no, that was a write-in. sure? <laughs> that was I'm a write-in. I'm pretty <laughs>
1: sure you've been telling me off-air that's what you wanted, but... Um... Yeah, but, Kim, are there any other kind of notable heavy heavy hitters out there that it would be kind of nice to see?
0: Within TNG, not really. It's more the question of whether they'll bring in DS9 or Voyager characters. But, yeah, yeah, I think that kind of sums up the TNG leftovers. Oh, Barkley. There is Barkley. That's the
1: other one. (laughs) we got
0: so much of him in, like, Voyager as well. I kind of, like, do I need the return of Barkley? Uh,
2: What happened to O'Brien? Have we seen him?
0: Ooh, another one, actually. Uh, no, we haven't seen him come back in the modern era of Star Trek, no.
1: But, uh, Colum has said that, uh, yeah, I'm open to it, you know? Like, he hasn't said, no, I'm done with that era of my life, so it'd be cool if, uh, you can get him strapped into the, uh, the transporter room somehow.
2: Is hmm. <laughs> he still just a transporter officer? Everybody's off becoming admirals and... And uh, Captain's being still...
1: He's still scraping um, uh, transporter (laughs) accidents off the uh, pads.
2: (laughs) Okay. Well, that's a commendable career, I guess.
1: All righty. So, Vicky, just want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, After we get to kind of the, uh, the first six episodes, though, You know, do you feel like the show's going in an interesting direction? Are you you pulled into it? Or what's your overall takeaway about season three versus the the two previous seasons of uh, Picard?
2: Yeah, this is the most compelling because you get to see everybody all in one place. And Picard has an actual son in this season, which is something that they've always, always um, built the story around is him not having a son. Was there another reason why he didn't have a son in the past? Or this the opportunity never well, presented itself?
1: As season two taught us, um, his mother's tragic death meant that Picard never knew how to love.
0: That's true.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Hey, um, Vicky, once again, thank you for joining us on the show today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And you mentioned Instagram uh, earlier on. Um, if somebody wants to find you on the social media, track what you've been doing in the, the world of the food industry, uh, where would they be able to find you?
2: Yeah, I consider myself an artist, um, and they can find my work on Instagram at Miss Vicky Sue. That's M-I-S-S-V-I-C-K-I-S-I-U.
0: Awesome. Vicky. thank you very much. Well, it was great to hear from Vicky. Always welcome on this podcast and always has some interesting insights into the latest Star Trek on the air. But Tyler, speaking of fascinating storytelling, what did you think of this week's episode of The Mandalorian? Well, I'm
1: not a big uh, a paintball fan as you are, Cameron, so maybe this one uh, didn't quite work for you on the same level, but I don't know. Like, um, For me, I love the Ahmad Vest, aka Jar Jar Binks stuff that was going on. That was fun. Then watch... Watching the Mandalorians um, mountaineer, (laughs) (laughs) Kim. Here's the other thing. Between the last two episodes, I kind of like. It's it's been a harsh reality check for me. This show has no worldview. It has no perspective on the universe. You know whether you're tackling like that Doctor Pershing thing, where let's entrap this man (laughs) to commit crimes and then zap his brain i'm like maybe this story is like the new republic has its bad elements just like the empire did or couldn't be just as bad as the empire jump into this one where it's like oh look that pterodactyl monster has babies too. <laughs> Let's kill it. And then they turn the babies into slave
0: monsters. Are they like, slaves or are they fellow Mandalorians now? <laughs> what? Are they? Like, are they going to fit big helmets on the, those babies? I want to see it. I want to see it.
1: <laughs> Kim, what is the message? I'd like... Like, I, I don't know what this show is trying to say at this point. I'm just like, other than like, hey, let's see how much we can bore you with, with stuff. Like, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I'm not like there are moments I liked, you know, the, the Coruscant Order
0: 66 stuff. I mean, I, I thought that was actually good. I like that. In terms of like action direction. And technical behind the scenes work, like this was a strong episode. There was some really impressive visuals. I liked all the stuff with the Mandalorians on jetpacks pursuing a giant flying creature. Look great. but what are we doing here? <laughs> Kim, is... What, is the,
1: what is the story of the season? I like I have no idea where this like okay, seasons one and two, I could understand where they're going. yeah I, like it is it okay, and this is the other thing where I'm like, oh, the show has no worldview. What I've realized is, oh, this is a show in which we're watching religious zealots be religious zealots, and we're watching like uh, Bo, uh, Why am I blanking on her last name? Katie character. bo Katon. bo Katon. We're watching her become a religious zealot as well. I'm like, this this isn't really interesting. Like, like uh, this isn't really all that fun. I'm like, I'm just kind of like, eh. Like, okay. Like. I, I don't know, like, this is a this is real weird season of Star Wars. And, like, I, I, I thought Obi-Wan was watchable enough. I don't think it's particularly good. It's watchable enough. I wouldn't call it a bizarre thing. Uh, I don't think Boba Fett was very good. Uh, but I also wouldn't call it, like, bizarre. Yeah. I think season three of Mando is incredibly bizarre.
0: Yeah, because you had that episode, as you referred to, like, last week, where it was, like, I I don't know, like, basically flash-forwarding to the rise of the First Order and Snoke stuff. Like, I I have no idea what they were doing. And then this one is, like, (laughs) the exact opposite of ambitious. Like, it was just, like, it felt like something you would see in, like, I don't know, season one of this show or something. Where it's like, okay, um, I don't know. We get a flashback to Grogu's backstory during the Order 66 period. And we have the pursuit of a flying creature. And it all wraps up in about 27 minutes or something. And, like, what was the point? It was so simplistic that I just went, like, huh? Like, how is this? This was the midpoint. This marked, you know, the lead into the halfway. Because it's eight episodes for the season. And... I have absolutely no idea how the season could end because I don't know where I've been. I look at the first four episodes. What happened? (laughs) They went in some water. (laughs) My best guess is that the
1: journey of the season, it's Bo-Katan rallying the Mandalorians behind her so she can be a new leader. And then Jin and Grogu going off on their own again. And somehow she ends up with the Darksaber like that that's my best guess Uh, folks know
0: i'm spoiler reverse this is just what my best guess would be like so uh... remember how great that teaser was though at the end of season two or not the teaser but just the fact that like he had the darksaber and she said the only way he can take it is if i kill you for it and you're like oh wow like that's gonna definitely lead to some interesting conflict nope yeah nope yeah nothing she was just kind of moping in her castle yeah yeah. yeah, there's never really been any sort of anything brought up at all about her needing the Darksaber, her wanting to take it, anything like yeah. that. It's yeah. just like, okay, now Mando just has a Darksaber he pulls out every now and again. Sure thing. Did she say kill you or defeat you in combat? Uh, maybe I I'd have to go back and check the tape on that, but maybe it was defeat in combat. I'm not sure. Okay, okay. Yeah.
1: Um I also I don't think this series is benefiting um coming immediately after Andor <laughs> which was like amazing, you know? Yeah. And um I was listening to another podcast uh uh, uh the uh oh man, uh the Watch and they're also kind of pointing out how uh, and this isn't the previous episode, how you get to Kirsont and yeah sure it looks, you know, like Kirsont and it's all cool, but juxtapose that with like how like real and tangible everything looked in Andor you know yeah. as if like you were living in it as if it was right in front of you and so it is just kind of i don't know and even think about how like the most exciting thing that happened in outer space at last season uh or in the first season of Andor was when um Stellan Skarsgård's character uh his big uh satellite dish got torn into pieces oh yeah you yeah. know it's like that sort of stuff. But it was a very cool sequence, you know? And just kind of like, um, I don't know, like the dog fights last week. They're, they're pretty good, pretty exciting. The um, the jetpack's pretty good, pretty exciting. But they don't quite possess the same thrill as doing something like quite like ingenious. You know, just like something I've never seen before or could never have pictured on my own
0: happening within the Star Wars universe. And if you want to do like weightless action stories like this week... That's fine. Like, there's definitely an audience for those types of adventures, but it makes no sense to like wedge one of these up against last week's episode, which was absolutely bizarre and would bore most like 12 year olds who would be watching it. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of 12 year olds that really like biscuits. So (laughs) I was talking to someone at work who's been very, very into Mandalorian the first two seasons, and he just said, This season, like, he used to count down to Wednesdays to watch the show, and now he doesn't even remember it's on. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, there's been talk about how ratings are down this season, and I'm like, I just wonder if this show is just kind of, like, rudderless, because it felt like it was building to something at the end of season two, and then it became very apparent, no, they weren't, actually. What do you want from the show? I don't know anymore. (laughs) That's the problem. (laughs) Do you just, I I just, do we want Jin,
1: like, you know, He's got a mission of the week, he's off to find another bounty, he's got Grogu by his side, you know, but then I wonder, like, what is the thrust of the series?
0: Well, we were just talking a few minutes ago about, um, the news that there would be more limited, you know, Star Trek content on the air. Should The Mandalorian have just been a two-season show? Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It would have been, like, doing gangbusters. Like, Andor is going to be a two-season show. I, I don't see the economic model for that show to go beyond two seasons. And I don't think that uh, creator Tony Gilroy, man well into his 60s, has any interest in spending the next five years of his life, you know, doing, like, more seasons of Andor. I think Mando would have been great. Um, You know, Cam, I finally... Oh, so listeners, um, Cam just sent me a text message. He's predicting where season three of uh, Mandalorian is leading up to. He says they've been telegraphing it the entire time. Um, it's called uh, Grogudis of Borg. Um, all all the hints are right there. We just have to like look deep into what's going on on screen.
0: Grogudis of Borg. Disney would love it. Are you telling me? Grogudis <laughs> merchandise would sell off the rack. If anything, they should be sending me money for that idea. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, a, a disappointing um, week of uh, of Mando, um, or just like a, a a bizarre week of Mando, where I, I just don't know yeah. what to think of the show anymore. Um, look, I'm enjoying Star Trek Picard, as I said. Like, I, yeah. I know it sounds as if I'm kind of like bagging on it. Um, I just like <laughs> there's still some of those like. Uh, Things, the scenes I can just pick at, you know, like threads I like to tug on and be like, okay, okay, what are you doing here? But uh, look, I, I'm also curious where they go with uh, Brent Spiner. Um, you know, um, I did not huh. see, need to see him doing the B4 voice. Um, <laughs> that was just painful to listen to. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to next week, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, they established that, you know, one personality would probably win out over the others. I'm gonna guess it's data. <laughs> I'm what? Gonna guess. No, nah. Mm. I think it's gonna be Lau. I think it's gonna be Lau. <laughs> or maybe they uh, worked in the um, elderly woman that was in the episode "Inheritance." The oh, uh, Soong's wife. Yeah, uh, Juliet, Juliet Soong's wife will take over at the end. Yes. <laughs>
1: I think. I think that's. They've been telegraphing it the entire time. It's gonna be a showdown <laughs> between Soong's wife and Locutus of Borg at the very end. Camp. Home run season. Home run. <laughs> Okay, okay. So we will be back next week with Episode uh, 7 of Star Trek uh, Picard Season 3. That episode is called Dominion.
0: Um, Mm. There you go. Uh, Mm. I'm sure it's a play on words. Yeah, and also lately they've been uh, teasing episode titles, but then the actual episode title is, like, slightly different. Yeah. Like, they were teasing this one as Bounty, and then it turned out to be The Bounty. I'm going to guess that it's The Dominion, or Dominion with a question mark at the end. (laughs) Um... Perhaps, perhaps. But I also like how uh, the bounty
1: was in reference to the bounty uh, bird of prey. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was a good idea, yeah. Okay, and of course, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, we want to hear from you. Jump on over to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash subspace pod. And you can also find us on the Twitter. I'm at Cam, V as in vaporizing changeling underlings, Smith. And you can find me at reportin, that's R E P O
1: R T. T is in uh, therapeutic battles with lovers.
0: Uh, o N. Okay, so until next time, the arena is closed.
1: We're going to get Luther <laughs> of Sloan. <laughs>